did or didn't. So, Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you so much for this day. I pray that you'll help us to hear what you want us to hear from today's lesson. I know there's a lot of things going on in the world and uh, even in our own personal lives. But right now, God, I pray that you help us just to focus on what your gospel is saying to us today. Father, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me give you the point of the lesson, and then I'll give you the lesson. So the whole point of what I want to talk about today is that the Apostle Paul, he was probably the second greatest man in the New Testament. Jesus, Apostle Paul, my opinion. Paul understood that when the saints, the Christians, the disciples, when they got along the way they should, sinners could more easily come to Jesus just as they are. So in other words, when the Christians act like Christians, those that aren't Christians can become Christians. Now I'm going to kind of talk a little bit slower because of a different kind of translation, so I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence. I just want to make sure everybody gets the message that I want to talk about today. So to kind of, kind of review for you here from what we talked about last week, the Apostle Paul, he went into what's called Asia Minor. That's where they had the, the city of Galatia was at. And he started a church for the people in Galatia. But then he had to leave to go take care of some business. And while he was gone, some other so-called Christians from Jerusalem came down to Galatia and started preaching something different than what he was already preaching. He preached and helped them become Christians. These guys came in and said, that gospel that Paul preached is correct and is good. But you also need to be circumcised, follow these uh, Jewish traditions, make sure you're focused on the Sabbath. So they took the gospel that Paul preached and added a bunch of stuff to it, saying you can't be a Christian unless you also do these things in addition. So this is where Paul, if you look in Galatians chapter 1, he was very upset with two things. One, that somebody would come in and try to add to the gospel of grace. Then he was also upset because the people believed it. He said, wait a minute, I just taught you the truth. You have the scriptures yourself. You need to stay the scriptures so nobody could come in and deceive you. And this is important because I'm not just going to, for the next month or so, preach a, a fluff, ooh, ooh, gooey, filly lesson. It's something that's going to make you think. Why? Because if you don't think and have your own biblical convictions about the Bible, somebody could easily come in and twist things around and mess you up. It happens today. People come in, they'll try to twist things. You say, wait a minute, but if they're Christians, why would they do that? That goes back to the question, are they really Christians? So, all that being said, this is to help you. I'm not going to purposely try to confuse you, but I want you to think deeper than you normally would think when you come to church. So hopefully we can get back, you know, like back in the old days, we all used to take notes and uh, look those things over. Some of y'all are like, yeah, some of y'all are like, I never did that. This could be a good time to start learning how to do those things. Whether you do or not, it's not going to affect me, but it will affect your spiritual life. I just don't want us to be deceived, guys. I want you to know the truth, because some of us don't even know what the book of Galatians is about. 
This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church that he planted because people were coming in lying to them, trying to change their minds. Sometimes we just read it and it's a book and we're like, oh, this is good. This is a letter to people that were being deceived. And this, again, why he talks later on about the sinful nature. It wasn't just a list to make us feel guilty. He was convicting them about the truth. So look in chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1 through 10. Are you with me today? Do I have to go back to this side? Okay, just check. I still might slide over there a little bit, though. Galatians 2, verse 1, it says, 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem. This time with Barnabas, I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. As for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been uh, is with the task of preaching, wait, just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So in chapter 2, Paul makes a big deal about his second trip to Jerusalem. He said, after 14 years, I went back to Jerusalem. Now, he wasn't going to Jerusalem to get permission to go preach to the Gentiles. Instead, he was going to Jerusalem to get support for his ministry. Because he knew he could not effectively do his ministry if the main church in Jerusalem wasn't supportive. So you got to understand, all his life, he was attacked by Jewish legalistic people. Paul would go preach in one city. As soon as he goes to another, people would go in there and try to discredit everything he did. Uh, time and time again, he would go preach, somebody would come in and try to change things. Look in Acts chapter 15. We'll be back to Galatians, but just look in Acts 15, verse 1 and 2. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. 
So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. And this is important because the whole Bible fits together. Now, I know we've said that so many times, we don't even understand it sometimes. But what you read in Galatians has a lot to do with what happened in the book of Acts. Because in the book of Acts, they had, in Acts 15, they had this big meaning to talk about whether the Jews and Gentiles can both be in the church together. I mean, it was a huge deal. Now, that's not the, 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 the visit Paul is talking about here in Galatians 2. Because in Galatians 2, it says Paul went and talked to them privately. The one in Acts 15 was a big public one. So Paul traveled more than one time to Jerusalem to deal with this issue. So what we got to understand here is that Paul said, listen, in verse uh, Back Galatians 2, I'm sorry, back Galatians 2. Paul says, you know, in verse, in verse 2, I went in response to a revelation set before them, the gospel I preached among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders, for fear that I was, had run, that I was running or had run my race in vain. Paul says, listen, I went to Jerusalem once. But I'm, I'm going back again. And I'll go back again and again and again until this issue is dealt with. Guys, there are times in our lives we have to deal with situations. Not just talk about it, but we've got to resolve it. If it's not resolved, you've got to go back and resolve it again. Go back and deal with it again. Paul is saying, listen, this is so important that I'm going to go back again 14 years later. Because things need to change. Now, here's something he said here in Galatians 2. On the second trip, he said he, he dealt with the issue of private, but he took Barnabas with him. And that was a good move because Barnabas was a Hebrew Christian, a Levite. But what was even better is that he took Titus. That's what he says in verse 1 of chapter 2. Not only Barnabas, but I took Titus along also. This was an, uh, the best move he could have did because now... You got to understand, when everybody first became Christians, it was just Jewish people that could be Christians. And now Paul is saying, you don't have to be Jewish to become a Christian. And then he takes Titus with him, who was a Gentile. So he brought Titus with him and said, look, all you Jewish Christians, look at this Gentile person. And look at how God has worked and used him in his life. You don't have to be Jewish to become a Christian. Look, I have, he said it many times, I have no one else like Timothy. He said, all y'all Jewish people, you great, but I haven't anybody else like this Gentile that became a Christian. So that kind of blew them away for a minute, because they're like, whoa, wait a minute. We didn't allow Gentiles in the church. But he says, look at, look at Titus. This guy is incredible. Some people disagree with Paul. We don't know who they were. But Paul calls them spies. He says in verse 4, this matter, Galatians 2, verse 4, this matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ and make us slaves. You know, whenever the church has freedom, when you become a disciple, when you become a true Christian, you have a freedom that you don't normally have. You're no longer enslaved to things. You're no longer in bondage before. 
you talk about things differently, you look differently, you act differently. And you know what? It upsets some people because you now have freedom and they still are in bondage. So here's these guys who were in bondage still. They were in church, but they weren't real Christians. And they weren't happy with their life. So you know what they did? They tried to make other Christians miserable also. I'm enslaved, so you know what? Maybe you also need to be a slave. Because they weren't happy with who they were inside. This is why each of us need to individually have a conversion. Because we all need to have a personal conversion to Christ. There's always going to be people who aren't happy with something. But don't fall into their trap, guys. Don't fall into that. So Titus has been here, and it says, let me break this down, let's go back again. Verse 3, Galatians 2, verse 3. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. Now, this is huge, very important. Because now you have Titus, who was a Gentile, and now you have all these Jewish people here. And they were saying, okay, he's a Gentile, he needs to be circumcised. Titus said, no, it don't work like that. He said, that ain't what's happening up in here. He said, I found Jesus. I don't have to be circumcised to find Jesus. Now this was huge. Because he could have been a people pleaser. Because a lot of people want to just, you know, I don't want no trouble. You know, let me just make sure everybody happy, make sure everybody like me, make sure I fit in. And so they become a people pleaser. Titus said, whoa, we ain't doing that. I please Jesus only. I'm not worried about what y'all think about me. He wasn't giving in to that stuff. Now, this was a huge message. Because now what they're saying is, okay, wait a minute. You Gentile can become a Christian just like me. And we're Jews. So you know what? That means any of us can come to Christ just as we are. This was huge. Because now what he's saying is, you realize there's a lot of religious people that don't want to surrender to the truth? Paul's, Paul's message to them was a new message. They never heard it before. But they saw God's hand at work with Paul. And all these Jewish people said, you know what? We cannot dispute what's going on here. We see it in Titus. You've shown us that Gentiles can become Christians too. So you know what? We need to stop putting up our walls, and we need to let these Gentiles into the church just as we let the Jews into the church. See, there's a point in time where they would not even consider letting them become Christians. Look in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, verse 7 and 8. It says, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, can you imagine for a moment here how those people in Galatia, when they read Paul saying this, how they must have felt? It's shocking. Things start falling all the time. 
here they are in Galatia, and they're saying, wait a minute. All those Gentiles in Jerusalem, they don't have to be circumcised. But yet, here in Galatia, some people are coming here telling us we need to be circumcised. Who are they to tell us we have to be changed, but those in Jerusalem didn't have to change? So they were just like, no, 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 something's not right here. So all of a sudden, it starts to click, the things that Paul is saying. These false brothers are coming in, they're not right, don't listen to them. And now they're like, you know what, I can kind of see what Paul is talking about here. But this was so powerful to them. Why are we talking about this? Because just like the early church, we still today struggle with putting up barriers and walls that hinder the spread of the gospel. You realize if Titus had been circumcised, that means every other Gentile would have had to been circumcised. See, this isn't just the issue in Galatia. This is a, a, a evangelism issue. Because Jesus said in Acts 1, go out into all the world and help everyone come to Christ. Now, if Titus had been circumcised, he would have said, you know what? That means everybody needs to become a Jew first before they can become a Christian. That means we would not be Christians today unless you converted and became a Jewish. So by Titus not giving in, not being a people pleaser, but standing up for the truth, now the message can go to all the world and not just to a certain area. Guys, that's what the gospel is for. It's for the whole world just as you are. And this is important. Here's a story. John F. Kennedy was trying to get the Democratic nomination, campaigning in West Virginia, and he went to a coal mine. A miner came out and said, is it true that you are the son of one of the wealthiest men in America? Kennedy agreed. Is it true that you have everything you ever wanted given to you? Kennedy agreed. Is it true you never had to do a hard day's work in all your life? Kennedy agreed. The man looked him up and down and said to him, you haven't missed a thing. This is exactly what they were saying to Peter, James, and John. Guys, we love Moses. We keep the law. We obey the commandments. But you don't have to obey Moses to obey Jesus. So you tell them they didn't miss a thing by sticking to all these rules that we had to live by all our lives. They didn't miss nothing. You're still just as good a Christian as I am. And he just laid it out for them. Now this is important. Because in our struggle, we put up barriers. We have issues as well. I heard a story about two farmers, Paul and Oscar, and they farmed outside a little town in Valley View, Alberta. Paul went to Oscar because they shared a property line and said, I want to put some cows in my pasture. How about we share the cost for a fence? Oscar said, I don't want a fence there. If you want it, you build it. So Paul did. Oscar came to him sometime later and said, I see we now have a fence. Paul said, what do you mean we have a fence? I surveyed the property line, and I built my fence two feet inside my property line. That means if one of your cows step a foot on my property line, I'm going to shoot it. Oscar knew that he meant it. So Oscar went, went and he surveyed his land, 
And then he built a fence two feet inside the property line. Even today, you can go and see two fences side by side with a two-foot span in between. This is perfect testimony that men are better at building walls than building bridges. I'm just saying. I ain't going no further on that. Here's the thing. The unity in the church is based upon the gospel of grace. Now, if I'd asked that question, what is the unity of the church based on, many of us would have said the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. You got to understand, it's based upon the gospel of grace, which is the good news of the Bible. What do you mean by that? If we gave each other more grace, if we gave ourselves more grace, how much of a better place would this really be? If the basis of our fellowship is Jesus Christ, but if I'm focused on my feelings, my position, fellowship doesn't happen. Think about it. How many times a person get a hurt feelings, get upset, and then there's just unity, conflict, division. There's a man who took a tour of a very dangerous mental hospital. Over a hundred very dangerous inmates were there, but only three guards. He said to the staff, aren't you afraid that these inmates will overpower the guards? The staff said, no. Nowhere, not at all. Why? Because lunatics never unite. There's a lot of people that want to divide stuff and start stuff, pull people away. None of it lasts. Because you get a bunch of disgruntled, crazy individuals, it's not going to last. It's not going to happen. I have family members that, that just can't get along with a person of the opposite gender, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend stuff, all the time. They got about 1,700 boyfriends and girlfriends. Why? Is it really all those people you've dated, or are you the one with issues? But they're going to tell you up and down, I broke up with her because her breath stink. Uh, I broke up with him because his feet was too big. I'm just like, what? People come up with all kind of excuses until they realize the issue is really you. Guys, it is so important for us to understand. We're saved by the grace of God through the precious blood of the Lamb. Look in Romans chapter 3. Again, the whole book of Galatians is trying to help us understand the unity we need to have. The unity of the grace of the gospel. Romans chapter 3. Now I'm about to hit us here for a little bit. So, yeah, okay, let me just be quiet. Verse 21. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Look down at verse 27. Where then is boasting? Is it excluded? On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. 
For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not a God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Paul is arguing to the people here. If you want to be right with God, there's only one way. It's not a way for the blacks and for the whites, for the Jews, for the Gentiles, for men, for women. There's only one way to be right with God, and it's through Jesus Christ. So quit putting up walls and barriers on people and understand people can come to Jesus just as they are. This is what we need to understand. The gospel is not complicated. But here's where it gets tricky. Tricky. Look at that country accent. Tricky. The unity of the church is based upon grace. Here's what I mean. The gospel of grace produces a church of amazing diversity. Amazing diversity. Scripture recognizes the diversity in the body of Christ. The early church had a hard time living with diversity. Because they wanted all the Jews, they were the, they were the only one of God's people were the Jews and Nobody else could come in. It was like a selfishness in a way that nobody else could experience the grace and the, and the glory. They had their issues just like we do. Some people felt strongly about circumcision. Some people didn't care. Some people felt strongly about eating certain meats. Some people didn't care. In the early church, just like us, we have to struggle with diversity and realize that a person's salvation is not based upon their personal issues. Here's what I mean. There's always going to be a matter of personal faith and objective faith. In other words, certain things are hugely important to you and certain things nobody cares about. What's important to you may not be important to the next person. You've got to understand this is where grace comes into play. We can't make everybody like us. One thing I learned coming to... I said I wasn't coming over, but I'm coming over. One thing I learned coming to New York... Can you hear me? One thing I learned coming to New York was that there's some holidays y'all don't like playing around with. You try to do something for Halloween up in this place, whoo, it's going to be issues. Now let me finish. That's how it is here. We led a church in Oklahoma. We turned the church into a hunted house. Every church was like hunted houses, and it was lessons for people spiritually, different things. What you say, wait, 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 our church? Yeah, 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 our church. It's different here than it is there. Does that mean everybody there is not a Christian? No. It means they have a different culture, a different diversity. It's different. You say, wait a minute. Yeah, I led a church in Oklahoma. First black guy to ever lead a church, our church in Oklahoma. My first sermon, I got down from the pulpit, and this older white gentleman walked up to me and said, boy, and I was ready to throw a punch right there when he said that. He said, boy, you people can preach. I'm in church, coming off the stage. I don't even know what I preached on. 
But like a flood of emotions came through real quick. I just said thank you. That's all I can say. Later on, we became really good friends. We became friends. Let me talk just a little bit. But he was in our church. And you say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How can he be a Christian and say something like that to you? You know what? We all say stupid stuff to each other. None of us can sit here and say we've not said something we wish we could have grabbed and put back in there. But that's how we are. We get on people about drinking, about smoking. But then we see somebody throwing fits of rage and anger. We don't say nothing. Last I checked, fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Anger did not make the list of the fruit of the Spirit. So why are we so hardcore in these, but then we just let that pass? Because we have walls. We have issues, and our issues determine what we confront, which makes it hard for those that are not Christians to become Christians because they see some fake Christians who act like Christians. Guys, we cannot have certain rules we go by. It's one gospel. We need to preach one true gospel and follow it. We can't pick and choose when we're going to be hard line on something. Guys, if all of us deal with the issues at hand, it will be so much easier. But if I'm the only one telling these boys who's sagging in church to pull your pants up, it's going to be a long day. Kids running around. Okay, let me just stay focused. I'm not saying smoking and drinking is fine. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is we can't weigh one sin higher, greater than the other sin. That's my point. Where was I at? Romans, Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, verse 5. Okay, well let me keep going there. You got to realize there are some people in our church that if you have these instruments like this, I've I, I preached in churches that people came in and saw instruments, turned around and walked right back out. Guys, we can make issues of so many things. Realize there are, there are churches that, that split because of the color of the carpet. They didn't want a certain color carpet in the sanctuary. And then people started grouping up. I'm like, how ridiculous could this be? I say this because we don't have that issue here. But it may be other little bitty issues. Because it says in Song of Song, it's the little foxes that ruin the venue. It may not be the big one, but it's the little foxes that run the vineyard. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> Romans 15. I got to stay focused. I'm, start, I'm starting to go a little bit further. Okay? We'll, we'll deal with that later. Romans 15, verse 5. I guess the storm ain't coming until 5. I got a little bit of time, huh? Romans 15, verse 5. 
May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you. God didn't make us give up our firstborn. God didn't make us jump through 15 hoops to become a Christian. Why do we do that for other people? Just think about it. Somebody come and apologize to you, it's like, hmm, I don't think that's real. You ain't crying, ain't no snot flowing, you ain't no godly repentance going on. We have barriers on when we think somebody's repentant. How about you just forgive them, and if they haven't repented, let God deal with them. But we set up barriers on even people repenting. Guys, I'm not saying we need to get soft and weak on conviction because of grace. What I'm saying is grace makes your conviction grow. Grace makes you deal with things instead of pretending they don't exist. You know how many elephants live in this? It, this is a zoo. We got elephants, giraffes, zebras. We got all kind of element, elements in the room. Y'all know what I'm talking about how there's an elephant in the room and you don't talk about it. I'm saying we got a zoo. There's like stuff running around at times. We need some more zookeepers, people. We need to deal with these things. Okay. See, I keep going. Oh. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll spend, if we spend more time at the cross, we'll spend less time being cross with somebody. We've got to take it back to Jesus, guys. Ephesians 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Jesus made the unity with his death on the cross. It's our task to keep it. He made the unity. It's our job to keep the unity. And this is what I want you to think about. Do I do it? Do I make every effort to keep the unity in this church? Do I make every effort to keep the unity in my Bible talk? Do I make every effort to keep the unity with just the people that I sit around? Well, what does that mean? That means sometimes you need to give up certain things you like to help things be unified. So how do we keep the unity? Two quick points. One, we have the need for one gospel. We keep the unity when we have one gospel that we focus on. Again, there was no special gospel for the Jews, for the Gentile. It was one gospel. But if we find ourselves being critical, if we find ourselves being judgmental, being angry, the best solution for you is to go share your faith. Almost nobody said nothing, didn't they? See how quiet it was? The best solution for a legalistic, critical person is to start doing the work of the mission. Why? Because now you're going to quit making everything about you and focus on somebody else. Before I moved here, I, it was, I remember one specific day I had a bad day. I don't even know what happened. It was just a bad day. I was just mad at the world, everything going on. So I went out there and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to share my faith because I'm just sick and tired of just nothing happening. So I shared my faith with somebody, studied the Bible with this guy, found out later on, he said, you remember that day when we met? Yeah. He said, I'm so glad because I was on my way to kill myself when you invited me to church. 
And I'm sitting there like, I thought my day was bad. You never know who you can help or who, what, what cycle you're going to stop when you start sharing your faith. But when you don't share, it all becomes focused on you. Thus, issues start to occur. We need one in gospel. Secondly, we need to recognize grace in each other. We need to recognize grace in each other. Again, Galatians 2, verse 8 and 9. Let me go back to that. Galatians 2, 8 and 9. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given me. You know, they saw Peter, and everybody looked at the Peter. The man walked on water. The man did all kind of stuff. So everybody's like, woo, we can tell the Lord is with Peter. Mm, go on, Pete, do your thing. And then all of a sudden, here comes Barnabas. Here comes Paul. And they're doing work for the Lord. But then they saw how God was blessing them, and they thought, you know what? We can't say anything about this. That same work that Peter's doing, they're doing in other words, the people saw the grace of God in the lives of the Apostle Paul. I say this because sometimes we only equate the grace of God to the scope that we are involved in, the things that surround us. In other words, sometimes there are some people that are doing God's work that aren't affiliated with us at all. They may be taking care of an orphanage. They may be handing out food somewhere. They may be helping some, some villages. They may be doing all kinds of stuff. They may be, may be here passing out pamphlets, just trying to give people shoes or socks or clothes to wear in the wintertime. Before we start looking at somebody and criticizing them and say, you're not a Christian, we need to think two things. One, are they doing the work of God? And number two, are they glorifying God on themselves? Am I saying everybody's a Christian who does good? No. Heck no. But what I'm saying is, there are a lot of good people that are doing the work of the Lord out there. And the last thing we need to do is to criticize them or critique them or put them down. Because honestly, there may be more people out there doing the work of the Lord than are in here not doing the work of the Lord. Well, now you're confusing me. I'm not confusing you. You want to be confused. As soon as we start talking about getting out doing something, I'm confused. Are you really confused? Some say confused, some say lazy. The fact is, guys, there's one true gospel. And if we are unified and doing what God wants us to do, somebody can walk into this congregation. And they can see the grace of God in here. And no matter who they are or what they look like, they can become a Christian. We say, you know what? They're smoking, though. And they're drinking, though. Great. You can bring that smoking person to CR. You can bring that drinking person to church. You can bring them in. Our team leader in Kansas City was 6'7", 380 plus pounds. He had tattoos down his arms, the back of his neck, and on his head. He looked straight out of a magazine for Hell's Angels motorcycle riders. And he led the team ministry. 
biggest, cuddliest guy you ever heard. You look at him and you think, I ain't sharing my face with him. He ain't even getting in my car. But then you talk to him and you end up joking and laughing and he cuddling and he hug you and smother you all up inside of him. It got kind of weird sometimes, but but he was totally different. We had people with purple hair, long dreads, all kind of stuff. You say, wait a minute, in Kansas? Yes, in Kansas. You know why? Because it doesn't matter where the gospel is. The gospel can help anybody, no matter who they are, where they are. We're not going to try to change everybody to fit into our mold. Now that you come to church here, you've got to dress this way, you've got you to wear this certain kind of stuff, you've got to even have this certain kind of Stanley Gibson walk when you walk down the hall. We're not going to do that. Because Jesus didn't die for you to change your walk. He died for your soul to be saved. Last scripture. Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. I'm free in Christ. And we hear it all the time. But let me just inform us of this. You and I were free in Christ. What are we free to do most of all? Serve other people. You start serving other people, your life changes. Things change. The book of Galatians. We just started talking about it. But if Paul wrote this letter to a church that was being infiltrated with false teaching. And he says, listen, you hang on to that one true gospel of grace. It's only one true gospel, and I want you to hang on to that. You hang on to that, you have nothing to worry about. This is why you need to read your Bible and pray every day. It's your choice. If you don't do it, you don't do it. But it still comes down to you must know your Bible. Last illustration. In 1822, young Charlotte Elliott had some company in her home in England. Her father's friend, Caesar Malone, came over for a visit. Sometime during the evening, Caesar said to Charlotte, Charlotte, I wish you were a Christian. And Charlotte did not receive that statement very well. It bothered her, and a few days later, she came back to the man and said, I can't be a Christian. My life is too messed up. There's too many things I have to fix. He said to her, Oh, Charlotte, you just need to come to Jesus just as you are. She thought about that. And then she decided to do it. She committed her life to Christ, and shortly after that, this young girl wrote a song that we sing today, song 471, Just As I Am. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou blood biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am. I am waiting not to rid my soul of my one dark blot. To thee, whose blood came cleansed each spot. O Lamb of God, I come to thee. I come to thee. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how bad your life was in the past. God is saying, I've come. I've sent my son to set you free. Guys, I want us to walk away set free.
not guilt-ridden, not feeling shame. We all have done things that are stupid, out of Christ, in Christ. We've said things that have been hurtful. We've been hurt. But guys, this is why it's the gospel of grace. One, we need to give ourselves grace and forgive ourselves. But two, we also need to forgive other people. This is just the beginning. Please read the book of Galatians so you can even understand it as we talk about it more. We're going to continue in the book of Galatians for the next few weeks down the road. But remember today's lesson. If we act the way we should act, then those that are not in Christ can come to Christ more freely just as they are. To God be the glory. Amen.